and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. So last week, last week I, I hope, if nothing else, that you got a picture of Mary other than the silent 15-year-old single mother. That's that's because that's often the way she's portrayed. Right? Most most Christmas plays, you pick the you pick the you know 13, 14, 15-year-old girl, you stuff a pillow in her, and you tell her to sit quiet. <laughs> there are no lines for Mary in the Christmas play. She's to sit and look and look look dignified, holy. She has to look holy. She has to uh, look submissive, submissive to the will of God that has laid upon her. Yeah, yeah. I, it's fine. I'm not. It's not illegal to look at her that way. I just, I just hope we started to take take a picture that this this girl had an incredibly dynamic connection to heaven. If you weren't here last week, we pointed out the fact that she was not surprised by the by Gabriel's visit. She was perplexed by his greeting. She wasn't even fearful. She was just like, "Wait, what are you saying? I you're like all over the place today." That's that's the essence of the of the Greek. It's awesome. She she's an awesome chick. She just is. And, and some of you are, well, yes, that's why she calls, she's called Blessed Mary. Absolutely. And she should be. But she wasn't silent. And I think the Lord was attracted to her, right? He said, you're charming. Our relationship is charming. It's sweet. I like it. Because you're somebody who gets it. Now, she's growing up in a culture where, where you know, women's opinion was not noted religiously, especially. I think it's awesome when God does stuff like that. It goes, it reminds me of like the resurrection day, right? The first two people there are women. Yeah. Because he's just always trying to hammer home. Hey, I'm for everybody. Everybody. All right. Enough about that, Bob. That's not what you're preaching on. I just, well, kind of is. Anyways, so I want to continue the story. We left off. She left in haste. Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste into the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Oh, we've got more characters. I do love characters because it just lets your imagination. So we have to go to the front end of this this chapter. Now, I purposely didn't write it all down or copy it because I'd get stuck there. So I'm just going to go from what's in here. So Zechariah was, was old. Now, generally speaking, in that culture, if you were old, you're you greater than 60. None of you would know what that's like, but that's, that's how old Zechariah was. At least, he probably, most people think he was probably in his mid-70s. And he was serving his week-long stint as a priest at the temple. And he's in the temple. He was elected through the drawing of lots. No, Bob. Okay. I was going to say something, which puts a whole new twist on God and gambling, but I just don't, I don't, see, I told you not to go there. <laughs> Anyways, 
Let's just let's just move on. So he draws lots. He gets the job to go in and, and the 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 offering of incense and to and to present prayers before the uh, the bowl of incense. So he goes in. He's all alone. Everybody else is praying outside. He's all alone. Gabriel shows up, and and Zechariah is a little surprised by this. It says he's fearful. He and by that by fear it means he wants to run. He wants he doesn't want to hear what the angel has to say. He's probably because his perception of what angels do. I think Mary had a completely different perception because she interacted with them. Zechariah came from a religious world in which angels were not things you wanted to run into. So there's one sitting there near the incense. Probably a big one. And what's he say? He says, hey, greetings. Gabriel's happy about this. Why? He gets to deliver good news. He's, he's excited. I don't blame him. Zach's afraid. He goes, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't run. Don't run. Just stay. Just stay. Stay. <laughs> Your prayers have been answered. Which to me is a humorous phrase. I kind of think Gabriel did it on purpose. I don't think he continued the sentence. I think he kind of let that sit. Because the guy's a priest. How many prayers do you think this guy laid out? Thousands of prayers. Thousands of prayers. Gabriel shows up and says, Hey, Zach, your prayers have been answered. And Zach, Zach is first afraid, and then he's thinking, Wait, which, wait, which one? Like, what, wait, what are you talking about? You ever have one of those conversations with, with a significant other? Where they're like, Hey, I'm going to take care of that for you. And you're thinking, what, Which that? Which that? There's a... I, I texted you a list. What are you doing? I just, anyway, that's just me. So Zach continues. He goes, about the son. God's going to give you a son. His name's going to be John. There's a few boundaries you need to keep because he's going to be set apart. This is why I didn't write it down because I would get stuck in all these details. Zachariah hears all of this. It's the son. And my first, not my first thought, but one of my thoughts is, was he still praying for his son? Now, he might have been because he had precedence, right? Abraham had a son in his 90s. So it would have been very religiously acceptable for him to continue to pray for his son every day, even though he was probably in his mid-70s, maybe 80 years old. But I can also fully see where somewhere along the line, maybe when he hit 60, he thought, this is probably not going to happen. And that's okay. Because in the religious world, he would have been told there were uh, he would have been told dozens of reasons why God didn't bless him with a child, and it would have been that old religious mindset of, well, it's God's will. It's just God's will, Zachariah. You and Elizabeth aren't supposed to have children. You maybe maybe God knows that if you had a child, it would be really bad, and He doesn't want it to be bad for you. So He's actually blessing you. By not giving you a child. And then you have the ones who didn't like Zacharias saying, well, God didn't give you a child because you would have been a bad father. I, I mean, religion, religion will beat the snot out of you for all kinds of circumstances that to God are completely irrelevant. And I know every core of my being tells me Zachariah dealt with this for years. So I don't know if he's still praying for a child. Either way, imagine his surprise. 
you're going to have a boy. I think his question makes perfect sense. Okay, I get all the details except for like the main one. Like, how is this going to happen when everything isn't working? And Gabriel's like, what? Do you not know where I hang out? I hang out in the throne room of God. You really think that that is an issue? Now, it says Gabriel silenced him, right? He made him dumb. He, he didn't allow him to speak anymore. And, and that little bit bothers me. But I remember Bob Hazlett mentioning this briefly, and it just stuck with me that, that Gabriel wanted to keep Zechariah from speaking negatively over the miracle of God. And for me, that I, I, I can walk with that. I can walk with that. Gabriel's like, we need to protect this miracle because you're not the only one involved. So he silenced him. Now, everybody, you know, is like, what, what happened to Zechariah? Like, did he die? Did he faint? Why is he still in the, did he smell too much insulins? Did he, like, what's going on in there? And eventually he comes out and they, they perceive that something went on and they, da 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 da. And he spends the rest of the week there in the temple and he goes home and without saying a word, has to convince Elizabeth to go do a thing. Which I'm sure for some of you guys is no big deal because you just kind of walk in the house and everything happens. But maybe for him at 70-ish, 80, this might have been a little bit of a surprise. Like she's looking at him going, what do you want to do? Let me write it down. I mean, he can't say that, right? He's writing this down. She's like, what in the world are you talking about? How much incense did you smell? (laughs) We haven't done that. Thing. Zachariah, I do declare. <laughs> Zachariah's like, anyways, clearly whatever happened, happened, and John came out. All right. Now, six months later, Gabriel goes to Mary. We dealt with that last week. Mary hears those words. And it says she, Mary rose in those days and went to the hill country with haste. Now this is a, she's, she's going with haste. This is a, she entered into the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth. This is a hundred mile journey. hundred miles. This does not, you don't prepare for this journey overnight. You, like you and I get in a car, we can do a hundred miles in, in an hour-ish. Okay, two. But... <laughs> I see a few of you going, mm, yeah. <laughs> that's about right. Not not through some of the roads we do, but anyways, it doesn't matter. Move on, Bob. So he, they're going through 100 miles. They put this together a minimum of three days. Minimum. Why? Well, they got two big news, you know, pieces of information. One, Elizabeth is pregnant. They didn't know. This is the, a relative. And it would have been absolutely culturally acceptable and expected that Mary, the cousin, would go help Elizabeth, the pregnant cousin, especially at her age. So there was a family obligation, a relative obligation for her to be like, yes, I need, I need to go see Elizabeth. 
She's six months pregnant. I mean, imagine her parents getting that news. Wait, what? How did, well, I mean, six months pregnant and we didn't know. Yeah, they didn't send you a note. As a matter of fact, it says Elizabeth hid inside for five months. Which is, you know, I, I get lots of reasons why she might do that. The funnest one that I read was the one that, that says within the tradition of Sarah, when, when God, shall we say, renewed her, he didn't just renew the one system that was needed. He renewed her body so that she could bear a child. And she suddenly looked in her 20s. And she didn't know what, how do, how do you go outside and explain that? But the same, the same tradition is held regarding Sarah and Abraham. Matter of fact, it says in the Bible that Sarah was considered one of the most beautiful women in the world at that time, in her 80s. And most believe it's because when God brought a miracle, he didn't just do what was a little bit. So, nobody knew. Six months later, they're like, they're, like, they're behind schedule. Like, we got to get Mary over there. Did she tell them that the power of the Holy Spirit was going to come upon her and she was going to give, uh, you know, have a child, though she was going to be a virgin? I, I think she did. I think she told her parents. I think she was excited. And, and I'll give you a little bit more on that later. But I think, I don't think she... I don't think she made general announcements about it, but I think, I think her family knew. Because they knew what kind of relationship she had with God. You can't hide that kind of connection. And they're thinking, well, we, we got to get her on the road. She's got to go see Elizabeth. But, but we don't know. They don't know when this is going to happen. They just know it's going to happen. So she gets on the road, probably in a caravan. Joseph is probably with her. And they ride, walk, whatever arrangement they made. They take the caravan 100 miles, several days. They all get to Jerusalem. Elizabeth and Zechariah live about five miles north. They get to that house. She enters in. That word enters in means basically she moved in. This is the next few verses. It sure does look like and sound like if you're just reading them in English, it looks like all of this happened at the doorstep of Zechariah and, and Elizabeth's house. I don't think so. I'm not going to take that away from you. If you like that, that kind of scenario, roll with it. I can't, you know, I'm not going to. It's not, I'm not going to argue about it. But I think that there's time involved in these verses. So here we go. Next phrase, verse 41. And it came to pass. That's why I think there's time involved in these verses. <laughs> that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe. I'm still doing the King James just for fun. Uh, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And, and whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped for joy in my womb. Wow, I can't even read the King James correctly. The babe leaped in my womb for joy. <laughs> Man, it's been so long. <laughs> so in all of that activity, Mary comes into the house. 
And when she greeted Elizabeth, which I'm sure was a little bit of squealing and a little bit of mystery and a little bit of excitement and a little bit of we haven't seen each other for a long time. and We've got a lot to catch up on and a little bit of let's sit down and have something to eat. You must be tired. And a little bit of I can't believe how young you look. And she's like, I know I literally glow when I'm pregnant. And it goes on and on. And they're talking. To be stereotypical, they're talking fast, like girls often do when they haven't seen each other. Or sometimes, even if they have seen each other very recently, they just can get all fired up. And they've got, I just, I just, and I think Zachariah was like, it was good to see you, Mary. And, and just kind of, he's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go let you girls talk. Because I'm already drowning. I can't, I, I can't keep up. And in all of that, the babe inside of Elizabeth, John, is leaping for joy. Which, I don't think Elizabeth was making the connection yet, but she's excited. She probably was like, oh, Mary, Mary, touch, touch, touch. Because it is a little, it still freaks me out to touch babies in, in the womb. It's just, there's something so alien about it. Like there's a being in there, and it's got elbows, and it, shoves out and you shove it back and it pushes back at you. Right? I mean, it's fun, but it's like, it's fun for me. It's not in my womb pushing and elbowing and stretching and come on now, leaping? Girls, that can't be really fun. I mean, maybe a little bit exciting for about 30 seconds and then you're like pushing back. Oh, stop. Oh my gosh. Oh! Oh, I need to sit down. It's exciting. All of this is going on when Mary comes in the room. All of it. This is why I slow down these verses. That's why I think there's time involved. It says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Holy Ghost was so excited about what was in Mary. Guess what the Holy Ghost had just done? Made a baby. He had just made a baby. And Mary was right there. Never met a new father. You just can't wait to tell people that he made a baby. I just, there's just something, I've been around them many times. They just can't wait. It's like, yeah, I made a baby. (laughs) And we all know what I had to do for that. Okay, that's all I need to know. Congratulations. Now, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit was like that, but I think the Holy Spirit was excited. Because Mary was carrying something that was precious in heaven. He was carrying, she was carrying something that he was intimately a part of. He was, she was carrying something in which the power of heaven was literally coming to earth in a yielded body by somebody who had a sweet, charming, amazing relationship with God already. Somebody who understood that her life was never going to be the same and she stepped into it. She said, I don't care what my reputation is. I don't care what my family reputation is. What, is, what God is offering me to be a part of, I cannot... I cannot reject. And I'm going to step into it. So Holy Spirit's excited. 
And, and Elizabeth, is, they're talking, the Holy Spirit's like, she's pregnant. She's pregnant with the Messiah. And Elizabeth doesn't even flinch at this word of knowledge, which tells me something about her relationship with God. She didn't fall over, go, oh, I just heard from God. She hears the voice of the Holy Spirit. Hey, she's pregnant with the Messiah. And Elizabeth responds internally. She's like, that's why my baby was going nuts. I realize this. And that's what she said. She goes, man, Mary, you're awesome. Of all the women. You have this kind of favor with God. This kind of relationship with God. She doesn't exalt Mary as a woman who is sinless. A woman who was also immaculately conceived. She's like, blessed are you. Favored are you. Of course she's favored. Look what she gets to do. Why does she get to do it? Because she yielded. She said yes. She didn't have to. We dealt with that last week. All right. He, she goes, and, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And when you came to me, how is it that you're coming to me? How is it that you're coming to me? I should have brought my baby to you. Because my baby's going to announce your baby. And she said, that's when I knew. I should have known. As soon as you greeted me at the door, my baby started freaking out inside. I should have known. I should have seen the sign. But I was so excited to see you, I wasn't paying attention. It just got really uncomfortable. And he punched me in the rib a few times. Now, the next three verses or so, verses 45 through 46, we're all in, this, these are all coming out of uh, Luke chapter 1. Just to be, I know the story's in multiple places, but... I'm still I'm sticking with Luke chapter 1 because that's where I was last week. Verses 45, 46, 47. Again, I believe this is over a period of time. Mary says, And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of the things that were told to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and the spirit, my spirit has rejoiced in God the Savior. Elizabeth is saying, listen, there, God is going to do something. That's the performance, the thing to come, those, those things that we're told. The, in other words, God is making all of this happen. He's pulling all the details together. I think for me, that's almost like a, a voice of encouragement and, and a voice of, of confidence. Just in case Mary was kind of wondering, like, it is, like, I know what's going to happen. Like, I'm going to have a baby. But there's a lot of details between now and nine months from now. And I think Elizabeth was trying to encourage her. Listen, God's going to perform this. It's, it's, he'll just take one day at a time. <laughs> just take it. Each step of just take a step. It's going to happen because God's in this, Mary. God is in this. And Mary says, you know what? You're right. I have no fear of man. That's, that's a soul that magnifies the Lord. That's the soul that magnifies the Lord. He says, she says, I have no fear, man. You're right. I have no fear of my reputation. I have no, no fear of the opinion of others. I have no fear of the opinion of my family. I have no fear of whether or not Joseph leaves me. 
Because my soul is connected to heaven. Like Pastor Daryl talked about today already, right? It's like worship. Worship puts you in a place where even the desert place begins to, to spring up like a well. And Mary's like, that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to spend, I'm, I'm there. I'm worshiping God. I'm in a place where hope always springs eternal. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now he's going to, I mean, this, this technically starts what many people call the, the Song of Mary or the Magnificat, I think it's called. It's, it's, it's a thing. It's a, it's a big thing because, because most people read it. They don't do a lot of digging. They hear a message on it, and they think they know what Mary's talking about. And there's this whole, I think, religious framework that's put around this song, this declaration, in which which the poor are encouraged because God is going to show up and crush the mighty. He's going to show up to the humble, and he's going to wipe out the proud. He's going to take all the money from the rich and bring them low, and he's going to give it to the low and lift them up where they're high. And everybody's like, yes! The radical love of God is going to come down to earth and crush all the good people and give all their money and positions to us, the poor people. I love it. That's the God I serve. Yes. A God who crushes everybody I don't agree with or who's richer than I am. Yeah. Or who who humiliated me. Yeah, I need the God who crushes those who humiliated me like a grape. Yeah. That's a good God. He's a good, good father. Shoots everyone I don't like. <laughs> it's fine. You want to filter it that way? That's fine. I, and this is I, I, I come to scripture with a with a filter that says God is good, that He is the eternal good, that He is light in whom there is no darkness, nor has there ever been. And so when I when I break down the words that are written here in the Greek, I. It's not that I'm making up meanings, but I draw from those definitions the meanings that make the God I serve, a God of love. And so for me, this song of Mary is not about a God who's going to come and crush the rich guy and give all his money to the poor. She's declaring a Messiah that's going to do amazing, beautiful, awesome things on this planet. So I will continue. Verse 48 starts right in. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. So God looks at what? This low estate. What is that supposed to be? Well, that's, that, is, that is completely tied into this, to someone's spiritual understanding of where they stand spiritually. Mary didn't consider herself somebody who had a great spiritual connection. She was trying to be humble in her culture, and God came in and lifted her up. Because God recognized where she was. 
He considered her low estate. He looked at what she, what she thought to be true and he said, nope, not true. You're awesome and I love you and you didn't have to earn that. He considered her low estate of his handmaiden. Oh man, does that word have a ton of stuff to go on? I mean, religiously, you could say, see, she was a bond slave. She was somebody who had to obey without question or she would die. She was a slave of God, a submissive uh, vessel of holiness. Yes. Or <laughs> you could go with a definition that says a bond slave is, a, is, a, is somebody who has a relationship with the master's family in such a way that either by invitation from the master or voluntarily going to the master, they in essence become family. Somebody who wasn't part of the family says, I want to literally live in your home and and work alongside you. Your plans, your will, your passions are equal with mine, are the same as mine. I want to help you see your vision come true. And I'm willing to give my, you know, to, 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 to live here the rest of my life. And a, that that is a totally legitimate way of looking at that word. And so what I see in that verse, and she goes, you, you, you took me from a place. You, you looked at me and you, you, you were like, no, 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 no. You're not low because you're a woman in this culture. <laughs> you live in the culture of heaven. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to invite you in to be part of my plans, part of my vision for this world. And you stepped into it. And for the rest of your life, people are going to look back and say, wow, did she have the favor of God on her? She did. That word blessed means fortunate, happy. It means relationally in a place of joy. That's what Mary knew, hoped that she would always be known as. Somebody who had a joyful, amazing Connection to heaven. Because heaven came down and told her the truth about who she was and where she was when it came to his vision of who she was. He's like, I'll tell you the truth of your identity. Next verse. For he that is mighty hath done in me, done to me great things. He's authored something. He has set something in motion. For his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Now, whenever I see somebody who's afraid of God, it, it, I, I think, wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's pull back. Because I don't think God is a God that causes fear. So why are they afraid? And this fear means they're like seized with fear, like they're running from fear, like they're living in fear. And what is God's reaction to that? Mercy. He wants to bring goodwill to those that are affected by fear. He has a desire to help those that are affected by fear. He doesn't cause the fear. He brings mercy to the fear. They were living in a, in a government of fear. Rome was known to create fear everywhere they went. You were afraid. You were afraid of Rome. They had garrisons. 
They had troops. Now they had they had a, you know they, there's a lot of good things about they they did a lot of practically good things like build roads like insanely good at building roads. But there was a fear. You don't cross Rome. So she understood the culture of fear. And she goes, God is going to bring mercy to those who live in fear. Not just now in Rome, but forever. God's going to bring mercy because he has a desire to help people who live there. People who are afraid of man's opinion. People that are afraid of the government. People that are afraid of illness. People that are afraid of death. He's going to bring mercy to them. I love God's reaction to fear. He doesn't just yell at it. Don't be afraid. <laughs> like, like kids, right? When they're afraid of the dark, they want all of them. No. Don't be afraid. That, it really doesn't help. It doesn't, it doesn't help. It's better just to have mercy. Turn a light on. Or sit with them. Or let them crawl in your bed. I cannot tell you. The number of times that happened. For whatever reason, they knew to come to my side of the bed. I think because mom, mom took care of them all day. But if they had a bad dream, if they were afraid at night, dad. Now, they all woke me up differently. My, 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 my favorite, my two favorites, not my favorite children, but the favorite ways I got woke up. Uh, Stephen, who you know, right? He, 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 in his own little mind, thought, if I only prop open one eye, Dad can still stay asleep with the other. Like, I, I know that's what he was doing. So he would, he would just pull open one eye because he just wanted... <laughs> it's the sweetest thing. And then, of course, I'd open up both. And, it, and he always, like, internally, he felt bad. Like, oh, no, thank you. I didn't want you all the way awake. Just half, just half. And then I don't know how, but Anna would just use mental games. She'd just stand next to me. I don't, I don't know what it was. And I'm a sound sleeper. Like, I'm out. And I'd just be like, hi, honey. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll come. Yeah. You want to lay here? Or you want to go to your room? All right, well, let's go. And off we go. Mercy to those that live in fear. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. This one, this one sounds dire. Strength, of course, is mighty. His arm means power. He's scattered. That's, that's the idea of, of, of the wheat in the wind, right? They throw the wheat in the, in the sky and the wind would take the shaft away. And just the those hearts would fall. The proud, the people who oversell themselves, <laughs> despising others. Imagination means understanding. Uh, and, and the heart is the center of your spiritual life. So this is what he does. If, if you take all of that and take all the nuances of it, this is a beautiful picture. He takes all of his strength not to crush the proud because it's, or, or to throw them into the wind to see them scattered. 
It says God's going to do something mighty with his arms. He's going to reach down in his strength and to the proud, to the people that are overselling themselves. To the people who think that they have some... Um, well, no, they don't think it. Well, they're making... The people who are trying to make you think that they have something amazing in their spiritual life, their heart, in their spiritual center. They try to convince you, I am an amazing person. Oh, God loves me. Oh, we're doing great things for the Lord. It says God's going to do something mighty. He's not going to crush them. He's going to take them. He's going to shake them. going to throw them in the, in the air so that that hard shell, the part that's wasted, gets blown away by the wind. And what he ends up with is their true identity, the part of value. It's like, I'm going to strip the proud of the parts that don't matter. And I'm going to, I'm going to have in my hands the most amazing wheat you've ever seen. Because all their shells will be gone. This is the God that I serve. Oh man, this is the God that Mary loves. This is the God that Mary is declaring she's carrying, which is just bizarre to think about. <laughs> All right. Another one that, oh man, this, this one gets used a lot. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. <laughs> All right, so put down. This is actually, this was fun for me. This is probably, if, if you've ever listened to me, this is the most word-centric message I've probably ever given where I broke down. I sat for hours breaking down words. This is stuff my wife does. <laughs> she does it naturally. I, I, for me, it was awesome because I kept seeing like, I kept seeing, oh, that's, no, like, that's what that means. It looks like it means this if you just read it in English, but this is what it actually means. It's The put down means to, to destroy the reasoning of an opponent without violence. The mighty are those who have high office, people that have their seats, they judges, chairs, thrones, places where, that have their footstools, which evidently was an indication that you had a really important job to do if you had a footstool. So all you people with, uh, with lazy boys or, or you know, recliners, as far as the Bible is concerned, you are in high places. All right. So he goes, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, without violence, destroy the reasoning of those who sit in places that have brought humiliation and depression and have run over other people. And I'm going to, I'm going to exalt the other people. What does that mean by exalt? Oh, it means I'm going to crush. I'm going to put them in those seats. No, it means I'm going to, God is going to honor them. God is going to raise them up in dignity. God is going to, going to be happy with them. Because those that are sitting in those seats that God's talking about are people that are, are very similar to those that are, that are living with pride. They're taking their seat and they're using it to humiliate those who haven't arrived as far as they have. And Mary's like, without violence... God is going to reason with them. That's what he means by put them down. How do you reason with somebody? You 
have relationship with them. This is a beautiful picture of the love of God. He doesn't look at those that are sitting in high places and say, you're just a prideful, arrogant punk, and I'm not talking to you. He says the exact opposite in this verse. He says, I'm, I'm going to come alongside you. And by that phrase, without violence, he's saying, I'm going to peaceably, calmly sit with you and work through the reasoning of your pride. Work through the reasoning of why you're humiliating those who aren't, haven't arrived where you've arrived. I'm just going to walk with you on this. Meanwhile, those that you have put down and humiliated, I'm going to, I'm going to exalt them. I'm going to bring dignity back to their life. I'm going to bring identity back to their world. I'm going to show them who they really are because it really doesn't matter what you think about them. It matters what I think about them, and that's what I'm going to deliver to them. Man, Mary's saying a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> this one I love. I mean, I, I love the whole song. It's awesome. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Man, for if, if you're hungry and you're poor, you think this is awesome. But let's look at it slowly, because I still think that's true, but he's not actually talking about food. He hath filled the hungry with good things. Okay, that word full means it's, you can't get any fuller. Let me put it that way. It, it literally means greater than a gluttonous desire. Like, I don't know if you've ever been around a glutton, but if they could ever get full, God would fill it more. That's what it means. Like, you can't get enough. Another word for it is, is satiation, which reminded me of a funny story. Now, <laughs> for years, for years I suffered with a rare but true allergy. But I didn't know. But this is what would happen to me. I'd be at a restaurant eating an, an incredible meal. Oh, it was so good. And then I'd be so full. And they would say, do you want dessert? And I would say, yeah, I think I got room for that. And I'd start eating dessert. And I'd get a tickle in my nose. And then I'd start to sneeze. Oh, not just once. No, 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 no. Minimum 12 times. Sometimes 20 plus. Oh, and I can't stop. I can't stop. You, you have no idea. Years I suffered. You know how embarrassing it is? You're in a restaurant, you sneeze once, and, and they'd be like, God bless you. And I'm thinking, oh God. You, please. I, I literally, no, no, no. And they're thinking, he doesn't want to be blessed. And I'm thinking, you have no idea how many are coming. And then I think, well, just let him bless me. I'll get 20 of it. Like, oh, and I would sneeze. And my eyes water and my nose would run. I'm a mess. I've got cloth napkins, multiple cloth napkins that I've gone through because I'm just blowing. I'm just, I'm just a mess. I went outside. I would, I'd go to the bathroom and snort water to try and stop this. I taped my eyes open. Trust me, you can sneeze with your eyes open. I've done it. I've almost lost one, but I've done it. No, you, I'm serious. And it was like this running joke. 
I do. I had no idea. So we're we're on we're traveling actually with Daryl and Lynn, which is kind of fun, right? It is for us. Like I know it's weird to to find people that you can actually travel well with. Like you can be good friends with people, and then you go on vacation, and it's like we're not friends anymore. But but we travel well with Daryl and Lynn. So we're out to dinner. I think with his family. We're in California, and guess what happens? Yeah, yeah. We're at a little whatever, and I'm like, oh no. Like I can feel it just before it's going to start. Sometimes if I catch it early enough, I'll just put the fork down. And my wife will look at me and I'll be like, like, no, I can't. Not another bite. Because if I do, and then it includes water. Like if I take it, but I did, I just put it in there and then I started. And, and you know, some genius at the table just says, oh, you should look that up. Oh, yeah, that probably would be an interesting concept. Considering we've had, you know, computers for 50 years, never thought to do that. My wife literally starts not even writing. She didn't even finish the sentence, like sneezing at the or, or sneezing when eating or something like that. And right away it comes up and it's and it's tied into this word, stasiation. You get full. And it triggers this antihistamine doohickey in the back of your nose and you sneeze. Uncon- you can't control it. Unless you don't eat a lot, which is the part that I have trouble with. <laughs> See, I could literally go the rest of my life, never, never have the problem if I didn't overeat. <laughs> so when we have family gatherings now, oh yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. They don't tell me, but I can tell. Because as soon as I start sneezing, they're like, Mitch, right? Mitch, who's a great chef. My goal every time, every time I cook. Get dad to sneeze. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, Mitch. It's real funny. Eyes watering, nose running down my face. Oh, yeah. Joyful, joyful time for dad. They just laugh. Kayla just cackles away. <laughs> it is actually kind of funny, actually. It is. I don't mind. It's, it, but they just think it's great. We got dad sneezing every time. So I have to be careful. I have to be careful. Or not overeat. It's one or the other. Because when when it passes, I can go back to eating. No problem. It's it's weird. Twenty times, like I, I'm multiple restaurant parking lots. There's some weird guy out in the middle of the of the cars. That's me in the parking lot. And then I wipe up and I walk in like nothing happened. It's so, so bizarre. It's a good thing I'm following the word of God today. All right, here we go. So that's that word filled. I know what he's talking about. Now, this is what I love, right? I fill the hungry with good things. Like what? Oh, that word good means joyful, happy, honorable. There is no food connected to that phrase. How happy are you? Oh, listen, you hungry? Bless you. How you feel now? So what is he talking about hungry? He's talking about, he's talking about that excess, that person who craves and desires spiritual connection. God says, I'm going to fill you up so much 
that you literally think you're done and I'm going to keep shoving it down your throat. No, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. But he's like, if you are gluttonous with your spiritual walk, I'll still fill you. He tells me, Bob, you keep coming after me till you sneezing your head off. And I'll keep feeding you. (laughs) I'm going to fill them with good things. And the rich, people who already think that they've arrived, people who already think they have an abundance of blessing to share with everyone. I'm going to let that way. He says, I'm going to send them away empty. that The concept of empty there is I'm going to send them away with what they think they have until they decide that they don't have everything they need and they get hungry. And then I'm going to fill them up because that's what I do. This is an amazing God. You may look like you're spiritually spiritually rich. You may look like you're so rich that you don't need to ever talk to God again. You may say, listen, I grew up in the church. I don't need any more church. I don't need any more Bible. I'm all good. And I I think, yeah, like I could totally be there. I was there for many years of my life. I mean, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a boarding school, a Christian boarding school. We had Bible every day, chapel three days a week, along with the Bible. I mean, it's insanity how much Bible I knew. I could have easily coasted for years and still been impressive to people. Oh, I know, I know what you're talking about. Super lapsillianism. Whatever that is. Yeah, God's like, well, listen, if that's if you think you got it all, that's fine. I'm not going to feed you. You got it all. I'm going to send you away from the table empty. Because you're not hungry. Oh, but man, you come to my table hungry. And I've got shovels instead of spoons. <laughs> Glory. All right. Then he says he helped or he partnered with his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake, he spoke to our fathers, spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. That means he partnered with his children and he shared his thoughts and plans. And it says Mary abode there for about three months, which would have been the ninth month. And then she returned home and it says now Elizabeth's time was full and she came and she delivered and she brought forth a son and her neighbors and her what? Cousins. Heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. I think Mary stayed for the birth. Maybe she didn't. But it was soon after she left that Elizabeth gave birth. And guess who found out about it? Yeah, she sent word to Mary right away, if Mary wasn't there. She made sure her cousins knew. And the story continues. Come back next week. But I did a little thing. I rewrote Mary's song. (laughs) The worst thing you can do, you ever <laughs> to somebody's song, right? Oh, I could write even better words. Happens a lot to worship worship songs. Uh, people who write original worship songs, right? And then they somebody's like, oh, I can make it better. 
It's always a pleasure. Anyways, I don't think I made it better. I just tried to break it up a little bit like this. To me, this is a declaration of the Messiah. I don't think, I don't think Mary did this in one day. To me, this is a compilation of, of internal conversations that she had with the Lord during the time of her pregnancy while she was with Elizabeth. She pondered these things in her heart. She, she was an internal processor from my perspective. And she put together this song over time, and I think it went something like this. Listen, I know who's, who I'm carrying, and this person is going to lift up those who think or have been told that they don't measure up spiritually. He's going to invite them into a family, not as a slave, but as a, in a place of honor. He's going to bring mercy to those who live in fear. He's going to release the proud from what doesn't matter. He's going to exalt with honor and joy and dignity dignity, those who have been humiliated by leaders, rulers, or bosses. He's going to oversatisfy those who want the good words and, and life of God with honorable things. And those who think they have it all, he's going to leave them alone until they get hungry again. He partners with his children and he shares his thoughts and plans. That's your Messiah. And as you go forward with this awesome Christmas time, and you think about Mary, I hope, I hope you don't picture her as a silent, submissive, 15-year-old, scared girl, surrounded by men who are telling her what to do. I hope you see a powerful young woman who understood her identity before God and said, I am changing the world because I have partnered with my heavenly father to bring his will of heaven to earth. Emmanuel, God with us. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.